What advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Have you ever thought about that? I've been thinking about it lately because this is our 20th year in business here at Priceless Professional Development. And that question, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self, is something we ask our podcast guests. And it's a popular one. People like to hear what others are going to say about it. And I'd love to hear what you think about that, what you would say. What advice would you give your 20-year-old self? As I was pondering 20 years in business, I started thinking about all the ups and downs, all the engagements that I've had, all the things accomplished, all the things learned. What are the hiccups that caused me to go in a new direction? What are the things that really worked? What are the things that turned and created a great growth in myself personally and professionally? And so I've come up with the top three things that I would say to myself and about 20 different resources that were turning points for me and that were very helpful to me as I have gotten to a place where I have more wake-up eager days. I mean, it's always a journey for all of us, but I, I wake up feeling good about myself, good about my work, good about the people I work with, good about what I'm doing, so much so that I don't have any plans to stop. But this exercise of looking back does help us move forward more clearly. That's why every day when I do my journaling at night, I list what I appreciate every day, And then I list what went well, what could have gone better. And it's amazing how when you write out what you did during a day, how much we do and how much goes well. So it's good to do it daily. It's good to do it every year. But what about 20 years? So I invite you to do the exercise that I have done to kind of recap for yourself. What would you say? What would you say? What would be important? And that, that advice will help you reflect and feel good about your past and hopeful for your future. And so I'm excited to share what I've come up with today, these three ideas. I think they'll be helpful for all people in all environments. It'll help anyone working in an organization because in an organization, you have to get agreement with people who work above you, people who work for you, people who work across the aisle that are peers that don't directly report to you. So I think everything that I'm going to share here today will be helpful to you. And then I also think that external consultants will gain benefit from this. So I can't wait to share it with you. I appreciate you tuning in. Michael, hit it. Consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. said, this is the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast, and my name is Susie Price. I'm here to talk about top advice for your younger self. This is episode 83. The show notes for today's episode are at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash advice. This is an audio show and a video show, so you might want to come watch the video if you want to see some of the tools and tips. We're also at the show notes page. We'll have uh, the PowerPoint available so you can look at that and get more information. I'll skim through. There's a lot of tools that I'm going to share, and you might want to check back, have those links by going to the show notes, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash advice. Now, we do have a directory of all of our episodes here at the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast, and you go to Wake Up Eager Workforce. Dot com, and you can see that directory. You can also subscribe there. 
and uh, you can give us a review, which would be very cool to have if we get something helpful out of this or anything that we've done in the past that helps people find us. So thank you in advance if you decide to do that. But you can go to our directory at wakeupeagleworkforce.com. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Priceless, and then we'll be on to the episode. I won't hold you here very long. But in this podcast and in the work we do, we provide tools for the employee life cycle. And we're passionate about helping people stay engaged, stay committed, use their strengths. And so what we talk about is hiring, onboarding, team building, leadership development, succession planning, conflict resolution. We talk about all of that here at the Wake Up Eagle Workforce podcast and in the work we do. And you can find our website, pricelessprofessional.com. We also train and certify other people, internal people and external people, internal to organizations or external consultants. We help you become an expert in the tools that we use, the DISC, Workplace Motivators and Trimetrics is CPDA, CPMA, and TMEA. And so these are six-week certification signature programs. They're self-paced. So you can take shorter than six weeks, longer than six weeks, or right at six weeks. We give you all the material and everything you need to become certified. And it's pricelessprofessional.com forward slash certification if you have questions about that. So let's get into our episode. Advice to my younger self. If you're watching the video, you'll see a 20-year-old picture of me. Someone told me to get a headshot. I didn't have a headshot. And so that was the headshot that I got. And she's looking real confident if you don't know her. But if you know her, she's really concerned. (laughs) She's really excited too, very eager. Uh, When I look at her, I think she had capability and interest. In that picture, she hasn't realized how much she doesn't know. And she doesn't realize, you know, some of the ups and downs and the downs part she hasn't thought about at all. I do know that. But we know how the story goes. She ends up thriving. Uh, In fact, this year I was, um, this company, our company Priceless is recognized as one of the top performers within the network that we work in, about 1,500 consultants, top 20. And that's happened quite a few years in a row. But back then, she would have never guessed that that would happen. And so uh, it's been a, a great ride and it's exciting, but it just makes me smile to see how naive she is and how much she's going to learn. Quickly, I went back and saw some of our logos. You can see uh, very handmade logos in the first couple of years when we have a professional who actually helps us make a new logo in 20, 2008. We came up with the five wake up eager habits and they each stand for something that's important. And you'll see that on our header and our website at that time. Then our logo evolved in 13. We started the podcast in 2015. And in 2020, we founded a great company, treadaway.co, Catherine Foster. And she uh, created logos and for each of our divisions, coaching, hiring, and everything, certifications and training that we do. And uh, we'll stick with that. I'm pretty sure that's going to be it for the long haul. If you are starting anything new, just know, I mean, sometimes people beat themselves up when things change or things evolve. It's part of the journey and it makes me smile now to look at it. It was, it felt such a big deal at the beginning. Your logo is just one piece of your business, but it seems to matter in regard to the whole makeup of the business of branding and the marketing. And then for you, you know, in your career, things are going to change and evolve and it's just all part of the journey. So I just had to revisit that real quick. Now, we're going to weave in Trimetrics. Trimetrics assessment is a tool that we use uh, in organizations. It is the one thing that we are most known for. Within that tool is the science of axiology, and it is the horsepower. 
It's uh, what's under the hood uh, of an individual. It's how we think, feel, and make decisions. And I'm sharing it here because the advice I'm going to give is going to relate to this area of the assessment. This tool measures not only gives us personal skills, it has a very practical use in the business place where we figure out what are the personal skills most needed on the job and how does this person score, but it also is a tool that we can look at for self-actualization. We can actually get to the root cause. You know, if you're working, you know, I use car analogies. If you're working under the hood and trying to figure out what's the, why the car is not running really well, well, if you can find the root cause, then the car runs better. And we're not cars, but we use the car analogy and horsepower is that area where if you can get under the hood and this does reveal that how we're thinking, how we're really thinking and how we feel, we can actually go straight to the area that could be causing hiccups or challenges for us. So you'll see that there are are six views that are measured. Uh, One is when we're working in the world, how how well we understand people, tasks, and systems. And then the self-view is how well do we understand ourselves and our worth? How well do we fit into our role? And then how well do we understand our future and have discipline for ourselves? And all six of those areas come together to help predict and show capacity and how we're going to perform and they roll out and affect how we score on different personal skills. So it's relevant here because uh, my process has been a bit about, and all of us can do the same thing, is how do we grow this area, the horsepower? How do we get stronger? And um, this has been a great tool for me and it's why I fell in love with it back in 2005 when I got trained in it. And it's why it's embedded in everything I do and why I'm sharing it with you today. So let's go into the first uh, advice or younger self. It relates to the area and the worldview about understanding others. And it's make listening and seeking first to understand your superpowers, not my natural strength, but it is something that I have been able to grow. And I think it's been most responsible for creating long-term clients. So I've learned to slow down not rush in and share answers and give advice, but really figure out what's going on, what do they need, and how can I help? And it's, like I said, not natural. It ties to, in the worldview, this getting really good at wanting to understand others, people, putting them first. You know, in the in the axiology assessment under the hood, we can measure that. How clearly do we understand other people? And do we put them above trying to make something happen and get something done. Doesn't we doesn't mean we don't want to make something happen. It doesn't mean we want, don't want to share a process or a strategy, but we first need to understand where they're coming from first. So we're going to put others first and that is the first advice and I'll share some tools that have helped me get better in this area. The second advice, and these are the main main themes of today is figure out how to get things done. In the assessment, it it ties to our practical thinking. Practical thinking is the capacity to understand situations, to be able to see the doing part of life and to do so in an efficient and realistic manner to get results. And so practical thinking is key to grow that capacity in the horsepower part of the assessment and so we're going to, I'm going to share tools and resources that have helped me get stronger there and grow that area. We all can grow. Nobody scores perfectly on these graphs. And then the third essential key idea is learn from others, but listen to your inner knowing more. 
So the stronger we know our inner self and we value who we are, which is the self-view part of the axiology assessment in this graph, is sense of self. What's my self-worth with my role? How clearly do I understand how I fit in? And what's my understanding of discipline of myself and rules for myself and hope for the future? So we can learn from others, but we also need to always be checking in. And the stronger we know who we are, the easier it is to filter out advice and know which is yours to take and which of yours is to say, thank you. Or what we used to call it, we take a no thank you bite, <laughs> try it on and say, okay, no thank you. I don't think I'm going to, you know, no thank you bite at the dinner table. So those are our three bits of advice. And now let's go into each one and we'll start with making, listening and seeking first to understand your superpowers. Let's see the first tools. The first uh, comment is, that I would say is talk less and listen more. And I heard someone say the other day, wait, why am I talking? That was the acronym. <laughs> so we say, well, so much. Uh, some of it is our natural personality style. Some of it is just what the culture teaches us. Um, some of it is we just haven't learned that listening and seeking first to understand is a superpower. I first kind of really captured that idea. I knew it mattered because I knew I liked it when people did it for me, listen to me, try to understand me. I certainly wasn't an expert or really good at it at that time. But early on, I taught a sales medical device training for Kimberly Clark. And part of the process was for them to, instead of rushing into the doctors and talking about their tool, was to try to understand who the doctors are and what they needed. And it just was a light bulb moment. You know, we all have those at different times. And it was like, okay, I just need to understand what they want and then try to give it to them. So simple, but we don't always do that. We try to give it to them when we don't understand what they want. And I knew I had reached some strength in this area when an assistant of a CEO that I was working with told me after we'd been working with them for a while that she knew that I was going to be the consultant that he worked with. And I did. I worked with him for seven years until he retired and was very involved in his organization, coached 150 of the manager managers, worked with the executive team spoke at conferences, helped with mentor programs. Just, it was wonderful. It was being like being a part of the organization, really making a difference. But she told me, uh, she knew that I would be working with them because she had listened to all the other conversations he had had. And most were him not talking because the person was talking, whoever, the consultants. And so she, she knew that I was asking questions and, it, and in him answering and me seeking to understand, he was clarifying his thinking. And that was one of the greatest relationships I've had in this business. And it, when you think about that internally, uh, if you aren't an external consultant, you know how well can you create that kind of dynamic with the organizations and your, uh, that you support or work with or the people on your team so that you have that synergy where you trust each other, you want to work together, and you can help each other. I mean, you just can do better work when you understand. And to understand, we have to listen and we have to be curious and we have to ask. So I am personality-wise in my DISC style, that's a tool that measures how we communicate. And in the car analogy we talk about is how you drive is what people see. I am an assertive, fast-paced communicator. And I also, my drivers, what puts gas in my tank, which is another part of the trimetrics assessment, is I love knowledge and I like getting results. So those two together can sometimes make me very fast paced and kind of urgent and 
maybe not listen. It's not a natural strength for me. So if I can figure out how to talk less and listen more, anybody can. I mean, I'm always working on it. Don't have it perfect. In my personal life, I maybe do too much, but I try to manage who I am because I know it's a superpower to to make listening and seeking first to understand a superpower. So one thing that has helped is to always think about your horsepower as being greater than the disc assessment. So oftentimes, if if you're familiar with trimetrics, people tend to use the assessment, the disc part, the part that talks about how you communicate, overuse it, overapply it, make it like a hammer and say, well, you know, I just talk a lot. Oh, you know, and they don't understand that they can grow their horsepower and they can manage their strengths. Our strengths become our blind spots because we overuse our strengths because we're unaware of them sometimes. So I did an episode on the weaponizing of the disc assessment talking about this. So if this is curious to you and you've always thought, we you know, your style is you're just, you're just that way and there's nothing you can do about it. I hear it all the time from people who teach the disc assessment. It's like, no, we teach it so that we can learn to manage it. And we are not just our style. It's so much more than that. It's so much more our acumen, our emotional intelligence, you know, what drives us, you know, our motivators all matter. They all three matter, but the others matter more. And the the weaponizing of the disc assessment podcast episode, if you want to listen to it or go read the transcript, is pricelessprofessional.com forward slash weapon. This is the one word uh, keyword, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash weapon. Now, this is a process that I learned that has helped me make listening better. So I get the five P's. There's five P's that you want to know before you move forward. You want to, if somebody calls you in and they want you to work on a project, whether it's your boss or it's uh, another department, you want to figure out the purpose. You want to figure out the product. What do you want when it's all done? Get the clarity. You ask questions, make sure you understand each of these questions. And I've got sample questions next to each one of the P's. Uh, Then who's going to be involved? That's participants. The the fourth P is probable issues. So this person that's talking to you about wanting you to come in and do something, whether you're an internal or external consultant, has probably worried about certain people, what they might do, budget issues, other departments, past history, cover all of that. That's probable issues. And then process is the last thing. And that is, you know, what steps is the person you're talking to think ought to be done so you understand where they're coming from. Oftentimes, as uh, we come in and we say, okay, what do you want? Okay, I'll give it to you. Here's the process. We start with the last P. We want to go through all five Ps so that we understand and we'll be bringing superpowers. We will be so effective on any project if we understand all of this. Now, I have some additional questions that I call plus plus, and these will be more for the external consultants, but it might be for internal too. If you're, you know, if somebody's costing out uh, a budget, on your budget or their budget or whatever. But the plus plus questions are what's your budget for the project? One that you do want to know is when do you want to start? Maybe they're talking about now and they're not going to start for six months or maybe they're going to start next week. I get all of that. If they're trying to decide what avenue they're going to take, ask about key decision-making criteria. And there's a couple other questions there for external consultants, but have a process. This is This is a systemic structure that can help you do the right thing and be this way, make listening and seek first to understand happen in dialogue when 
when you're going to work on a project with a group. You could do it with your team as we're uh, embarking on a new program, get them to capture all the information from the team. It's just a great tool, the five Ps. And actually, I got that tool from Michael Wilkinson and the Secrets of Consulting. And also some of that is from Alan Weiss, Million Dollar Consulting. And now when you're doing a follow-up or a proposal, depending on where, where you're working, you know, when you're following up with someone internally in an organization, when they've asked you to participate in a program or your department to do something, you want to follow up saying, okay, this is what I heard. This is what you said you want to accomplish. This is how you, what makes it be successful. And this is the value of it. Here's the methodology. And I underline the word short. Uh, don't go into everything you're going to do. Just try to give a summary, restate the timing. Give them options if there's different ways. If they came to you and they they weren't sure on how to do everything or they you have additional ideas, give a good, better, best, you know, three options for them to pick from. And then talk about accountabilities. There's things that we need to be accountable together on. Here's what I'm going to be accountable for. Here's what you're going to be accountable for. It's a very mature, smart way to follow up. Uh, it will help clarify the conversation. People forget 80% of what's said five days later, two days later. Follow up with what was said. Make sure you heard what you think you heard and they said what they meant to say and you will internally have a much better flow. And then externally, if you're an external consultant, you will show up and you will be doing the things that they really want and not what you thought you heard. So all of these, these processes have been, they sound like simple things, but so many people don't do them and it gets us in trouble in regard to, uh, you know, ending up with a mistake or a, a down point of things. And we want to uh, be successful. I wish I had known it from the very beginning, all of these things. Now, I'm back to the axiology and, the, and the, the thing that I'm saying here in advice around the superpowers is grow all three areas of the worldview in the assessment, which is understanding others, practical thinking and systems judgment, but keep things in the right order. And so basically the assessment, if you are familiar with it, it's intrinsic is greater than extrinsic is greater than systemic. Those are the three dimensions. People are greater than doing or greater than ideas. That's what this science talks about. Uh, That's the philosophy around this is all three areas matter. We have to have ideas. We need to take those ideas and do something with them. And we need to help people understand them and help work with people to use these ideas. But if we don't put the people part first, we're out of step. We need all three. So it doesn't mean you don't do the others. And so I want to give you a good example. Here's a story about putting people first. And it was early on. And it's a true story. Uh, young Susie, she was very young. I think I was probably two years into my business, probably had the um, second logo, 2006 logo by that point, maybe. And I was working with a large law firm in downtown Atlanta, and they had just laid off 40 administrators. It was a, a Thursday that they laid them off. I was in Friday morning. And my job was to help them create a resume and a job search plan. So obviously, young Susie didn't know what she was getting into, or she would not have said yes to that assignment. As you can guess, 40 administrators who just gotten laid off, had no idea they were going to get laid off, were hopping mad. They were ready to riot, and they did not want to work on their resume. And so I knew that, and I had a day with them, and I decided that I would have them share. We were going to start the program off talking about how they were feeling, what they wanted, and what they thought was next for them. Something like that. It's a long time ago, so I don't remember exactly, but it was a sharing exercise and it took a good bit of time. 
And I could see the company leaders. They were in the back of the room, their arms folded, looking very unhappy. And so I'm not sure how young Susie knew to go that route because it worked out because after they had time to share, so it was connecting with them as people, putting people first. Yes, we had doing things that we need to do. And I had tons of ideas to share with them, but they could not hear it until they were heard. So that listening and seeking first to understand, giving them a place. And it took, you know, 40 people, very mad, took them hour and a half, maybe two hours of the day, but they were ready to move forward. And they did. And we, we worked on their resume. I gave them all the material. I set up some follow-up time because I knew we used that time, but that was something I chose to do. But we would have never gotten through the material if I had kept pushing and had not realized that people come first. I'd had my tri- initial trimetrics training by that point, And I understood that maybe that's where I got that from. But the people connection always comes before the ability to produce and act. The people Connection always comes before the ability to produce something and take action. So that's one day when I look back and I say, okay, good job. Good job. You were learning there. You did good. And I love that they came up to me afterwards and said, whoa, we weren't thinking this was a good idea, but it was. So those are the top things that I would say are important along with the assessment. Talk less, listen more. Use that 5P process to stop yourself from talking quiet, talking and giving, giving info because we're so excited about what we know and how we want to help. And then share back with them their answers so we're all clear and on the same page. And you show that you've listened and you're, again, seeking first to understand and make sure you got it right. And remember, put people first. It doesn't mean that you don't do the other parts. It's not an excuse to just let everybody do whatever they want to do. <laughs> Sometimes they, people think that, but that's not it. It's all three. Now let's go to the second bit of advice, figure out how to get things done. And so that is related to practical thinking. And here is my favorite mantra. If you would like to get better at getting things done, write this down. I say to myself all the time, and I notice how much more it is true for me today than it was years ago. And the mantra is I get things done immediately, thoroughly, and cheerfully. If you think about that, immediately means, okay, I'm being efficient and I'm ready to do it. Thoroughly, I'm doing it and I'm doing it well and correct. And I'm cheerfully, I'm happy about doing it. That relates to the practical thinking on the dimensional balance page graph and the book that helped me organize, process all the things coming to us. Or, you know, if we have all this input and my mind is very busy, is a book called Getting Things Done by David Allen, The Art of Stress Free Productivity. I have read it and there have been times when when I first read it, I only could do one piece, read it again later and I did more pieces of it. And now I fully implemented their system. I use an app called the getitdoneapp.com. It has saved me from myself so many times uh, because I can get off on tangents very, very quickly. And this helps me capture ideas and still find them later and not get sidetracked. Uh, But this process of the getting things done and the get it done app, lifesavers, and it's helped me grow the part of the assessment that measures that, which is practical thinking. We want a high clarity. My clarity was always decent. Clarity is how do you see what needs to be done? And then the bias is how you feel. And I was had a very negative bias, which 70% of the world does or or, uh, people who've taken our assessment. I think it's 70% still have a negative bias, which is I see what needs to be done, but I'm frustrated about it. And it could cause disengagement and cause stress and tension and anxiety. 
And so that that mantra is so important because that's an awareness of this. That's the state you want to be in. And I remember Ron Price, who is uh, the president now of TTI Success Insights, gave me that mantra. He actually he and I were talking and I was talking about, you know, having that negative bias and how so many people do. And he wrote it out on an index card. And I think I still have the index card somewhere. But it's interesting how just awareness of the state you want to be in leads you to books like this and apps like this and processes that make a difference. The most important thing that I have done over the years, and I still do it, do it every night. I'll do it tonight too, which is a daily list of six. And so the daily list of six is this idea of at the end of every day, I do do what I talked about earlier, journaling about what went well and how the day went. And then I think about what's going to happen tomorrow. And there's only six things, six things that have to happen tomorrow. There might be 25 million things that I get done, but there are six things that have to happen that I'm willing to commit to that are very important right now. And so uh, I list those six things out. I reference them and I make sure they get done the next day. We have this problem as a culture. That's why so many people have a negative bias on the practical thinking of the trimetrics horsepower part of the assessment is because there's planning fallacy. We underestimate how much time it takes to get things done. We do. And so if we say only six things, and those are the most important, it forces you to prioritize. It forces you to get in. And if I get pulled off into other things, I will go back to that. Listen, I know if I didn't get it done, I mean, nothing's going to happen. I mean, it might not happen, but I know that I'll get it done the next day. By setting the intention the night before, you're in the flow of the day so it's fresh. You're not starting over in the morning, which sometimes there's a delay there, and you're stopping yourself from that planning fallacy problem. I think it is one of the key reasons that I've kept clients because like, I'm always able to keep track of what needs to be done when. And that get it done app has really helped. And so has the daily list of six and just that whole process. So that is very important. If we have a good day, if I have a good day tomorrow, then chances are I might have a good day the next day. And then I might have a good week. Then I might have a good month. Then I'll have a good year. Then I'll have a good 20 years. But it starts every day. So we've got to get control of every day and we need some processes I can't say enough about the getting things done. So all three of those tools are really important. And I, I can't say that I, I'm meeting that mantra often. Uh, the other thing that I realized early on is I needed to become a great facilitator. So if you're going to manage groups or you're going to be in front of, of, of the room of people, or you're just going to try to facilitate your family, facilitate means to make things easy. And oftentimes we, we're good at asking questions or we're good at a process or procedure that help make it easy for people to make decisions. So if you've ever led a training session or you've been in a team meeting, you say, oh, I'm going to do an icebreaker. And you're so excited about it. And you go to set up the icebreaker and then everybody's confused. They're like, what, wait, wait a minute, what are we going to do? And it totally kind of misses the point. And then you end up taking more time. And then you think, well, maybe I won't do an exercise next time. That didn't really work out. So the great facilitator has a process for that. And this is one masterful directions. If you have got to, if you're working with two people, or 100 people, or whatever the number is, the PDQs. It's P-E-D-E-Q-S. The main parts of it are the capital P. You share. Here's how you give masterful directions on anything. Share the purpose of what you're about to do. And then the D is give general directions. You can use verbal pictures and gestures. 
So you say, this is what, here's why we're doing this. Here's how we're going to do it. And then the cue is, are there any questions? Seems so simple, but I can't tell you how many times I've been in training classes when I've not been the facilitator and those, those don't get shared and the activity just does not go well. And there's a lot of confusion. So if you want to uh, figure out how to get things done with groups, use the PDQ. You can get the slide here and it'll give you, there's some additional parts to this process, but PDQ, good thing with groups. I got that from Michael Wilkinson of Secrets of Facilitation, an excellent book that became my Bible. Uh, I, I took it everywhere with me for five years, at least. It's, it's torn, its pages are turned down and used and I've used all those processes. And I just kept it with me until I could know the processes inside and out. The other thing is, is if you ever ask, you say, okay, we're, I've got flip charts up here and I am going to get everybody together. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to get their input because I'm seeking first to understand. I'm listening. And you ask your question and it's crickets. Everybody just looks at you. You think, oh, hey, this isn't working. Or maybe it's a quiet group and there's crickets. So we want to move from hey, tell me your inputs for such and such to building an image, extend the image and ask the question. In the secrets of facilitation, they call it a type B question, which is you're getting people, instead of coldly asking them a question, you're getting them to think about the area. Think about our scheduling process and think about how it currently works and think about what you like about it, what you don't like about it. And then now I want you to think about last time you used the process, what worked, what didn't work. Now, what would you say are the inputs or the most important part of the scheduling process or whatever the question is? I just did it on the fly. Usually when I'm facilitating anything, I will write it out, but you want to build the image and then ask your question. A great facilitator does that and it may look informal. When people give you input, uh, you've asked a good starting question. So that's a little big thing that shows up. And then the the third thing about figure out how to get things done is give them more than they expect. And I'm showing here a book called The War of Art, Break Through the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles. That is a book I've listened to many times. I do it on Audible. It's by Stephen Pressfield. And what he talks about, and there are so many important things, but that where it comes to us is he really talks about instead of being an amateur, be a professional. And he says here, the difference between an amateur and a professional is their habits. An amateur has amateur habits. A professional has professional habits. We can never free ourselves from habit, but we can replace bad habits with good ones. And so what I would say to you is don't think like an amateur. And when you're working in your organization and you're going to put on a program for somebody or you're going to facilitate or you're going to follow up because you just had a discussion and use use the input from those five Ps. Give them more than they expect in regard to your follow-up. You know, when I'm doing a presentation, I script everything out. I just just do more than they expect and you will feel like and look like a pro. What you know, people, that you would think about who you work with, it's more like a pro and less like an amateur. And so that book is a really good book. One of the things that we do is, I did this recently with a client. This is a program that we delivered for them and we provide a a page of all of their resources. It wasn't part of what I said I was going to do, but it's the PowerPoint slides. It's the uh, all the documents that are part of their training so they can access them. It's, it's, it's links to everything we discuss and important images so they really learn it. Um, very quick to set up. I mean, I'm in a small shop and I'm able to do this. This is for a big company. And uh, the sponsor there 
when she saw that, she was very surprised pleasantly. But if we do things like, like I have laminated memory jogger cards with the key points on it, and I put a little ring through it. So there's four of them and it keeps them from going all over their desk and it keeps them keeping them. And, you know, several people have often said, oh, I love this. I love that you put these all together. That speaks of the inner trainer in me or it's going to help me keep these together. Or people mention those little things. It's more than they expect to have a follow-up where you don't help people continue to learn on a topic that you're teaching. Any way in your world that you can give them more than they expect puts you in the pro field. You know, I'm thinking like a pro. I'm thinking bigger picture. I'm thinking about what do they need? If we get really good at the first tip, which was the listen first to understand then you'll know what are the things that are important and you'll you'll know what is right to do to help people grow. And then what I say here is you can't assert interest and openness, but you can create it. So how do you do that? You can't make people want to work with you. You can't pay, make people want to do the work that you're trying to help them do on your team, your employees, or people in other departments. Um, you can't make them do that, but you can create interest and openness. And how the start is putting yourself in their shoes and determine what you can do to reduce resistance. So constantly saying, okay, how can I make this less stressful for them? How can I understand where they're coming from? That helps us figure out the right things that need to be done. One of the things that we do is early on with this whole idea of people are more important than the doing and the actual ideas uh, or the system is we create a video. So anytime somebody gets an assessment and you're in an organization, you can feel defensive about that because you're like, oh my gosh, what is this saying about me? And who's going to read it? And how am I going to feel? And so paying attention to that, we created a, a short video. So anytime anybody gets their assessment, they, they go to a page that has a video. It helps them understand. We call it the strength revealers. And it's simple. It's a little thing. It didn't take us very long to do. It's material we have. And then we have resources for them. And people have said, well, okay, I was a little nervous about this until I watched that video. And so it feels like something simple like that has really made a difference. And and I know there's things in your work and in your world where you can find out what could I give them? What do they need that would help reduce resistance and have them feel more open and interested in what I'm trying to help them do? It's called influence, you know? And so understanding that. And lastly, on this figure out how to get things done in our world, if you're working in the assessments, we have to understand there's beauty in every graph and we must look for it. So this is particularly tied to the assessment world because that's so much of what we do with people. So we empower so many of our clients to use the assessments. We, we try to replicate ourselves so that you have the ability to take off and run with it and not have to have us there that we're there to coach and help, but to understand that there's beauty in every graph and it starts with us. If we're interpreting and using any of the assessments, we have to remove our bias. We have to remove the idea that our style and everybody has bias. Our style, our way of doing things is the only way and that you know your drivers, what puts gas in your tank is what really matters and that there's really wrong, something wrong with somebody. Um, so we never want to do that. We want to look for the beauty. We want to keep that people first idea in in action that we're literally doing that. And that, you know, basically if you're using the assessments or having a deep conversation with someone, you know, it's it's their life. So we want to do no harm. Now, there is beauty in every assessment. I want to make a caveat. If we are using the assessment for hiring, we are going to be more objective because our purpose in using it for hiring is to see whether they're a fit for the job. It's only used less than 30%. So we're going to give you very direct feedback 
about whether the, where the person fits, where they might not fit, what could potential gaps be and, and interview questions you can use. And here's where you should follow up and you should think about these things. Once they're on board, we put on a different hat and you will do the same thing. If you're using the assessments in your business, you're going to coach, you're going to figure out, okay, help me understand this person so that I can help them be more effective. Let me use the tools to help them do that and use the training tools and so on. We're a little bit more upset, uh, subjective in that way. So this coaching process that we stumbled upon uh, really works. And so if you are coaching or you're talking to somebody when you're onboarding, if you have an assessment, this is a great process. It works every time. It's the process I use. It helps me do number one, which is listen and seek to understand. It helps me do this, figure out how to get things done because you start to understand where they're coming from and then you can answer their questions and you're not telling them about who they are because you have an assessment in front of them, you're learning about who who they've been and where they're going and where they want to go. And it, it gives you the ability to uh, speak more directly when you understand these questions. And you'll have to look at the slide. I'm not going to read what's on here, but come over to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash advice and figure out how things get done page. And you'll see the coaching debrief conversation process. It works every time. I mean, it's a great start. A lot of times people are uncomfortable with how do I debrief this assessment? What do I say and how do I do it? I mean, this process of asking them questions and then you sharing input is, is a process that can be re- replicated in everything. And I just have a reminder on the page about how important the acumen assessment is above the motivators, above the DISC assessment. So figuring out how to get get things done covers all three areas of the worldview of the axiology horsepower assessment, which is growing our skills in understanding others in practical thinking, which is getting things done and systems judgment, understanding the big picture. And so the three things, the four things we covered is I get things done immediately, thoroughly and cheerfully. That's the mantra. Um, We want to become a great facilitator. We want to give them more than what they expect. And there's beauty in every graph. Look for it. And that ties to how to get things done. We're coming into a close here for our last one. And this advice to my younger self is learn from others, but listen to your inner knowing more. And in the horsepower assessment, we're talking about self-view. And so let's let's look at some of the things we've talked about here. I want to remind you that everybody has opinions. <laughs> So we can learn from others, but understand that their opinions are that. They're, they're, they are their opinions. I found this quote by Mark Twain. I'll read it to you. Loyalty to petrified opinion never yet broke a chain or freed a human soul. So people get, I've heard it uh, referred to as cognitive rigidity. They get rigid in their opinions. I know what I know what I know, but opinions share too quickly can make unnecessary the human standing in front of us. And so Twain's trying to tell us that, you know, we never made anything better if we had a petrified opinion. And and so that was a big knowing for me. I do like people and I do ask a lot of questions and I'm really curious. And I've had different mentors over the years that have meant a lot to me. Some of them I adopted, you know, I made made them my mentor. They weren't really officially a mentor, (laughs) but I liked who they are and what they said. And I had to learn that not everybody has learned to talk less and listen more. And most people don't mean to act like a know-it-all. They just know what they know. And uh, so, and people like to give advice. And so that's okay. So no judgment. 
But some of the opinions that I've gotten over the years, these quickly came to mind as I was doing my little review of the past is my name of my business, Priceless Professional Development. My early on mentor is a senior consultant who taught me so much, but he said, that's too long. You can't can't go with that. Well, Priceless Professional Development has, because it ties to my name, has just been personally fun and professionally memorable. So that was an opinion that I'm glad I didn't pay attention to. People have said different things about, you can't do your podcast the way you're doing it. Well, that's worked out really good. Uh, you know, I'm always tweaking and learning, but and there's not just one way to do things. Everybody has an opinion about that. Uh, there's free virtual videos that I give to one key client. I don't charge them for them, but it felt like the right thing to do because they're a, a important client and I wanted them to know what they needed to know. And I just spent a lot of time on it and it's made a big difference. It may, it's made a di- big difference in their use of the tools. They feel more effective. It's improved the bottom line. Um, so the opinion was you should never do that. Well, that worked out. People have said early on, I remember one person in particular said, how how do you think you can start a business? You don't have an advanced degree. Uh, Well, it's worked out okay that I don't. I I wish I had. I wish life was different than it was up to this point, but I'm happy with the way things are and it has worked out. And that was an opinion that I got a lot of starting out. And here's one that I've about a story I told earlier. You can't take a hour or two in a workshop of 40 administrators and allow them to vent and share with each other. Yeah, you can if you feel like it's the right thing. So that's a real journey about, you know, learning from others, valuing their opinion and then and then valuing what you know more. And usually we just need to sit back and just remember that everybody has opinions and then work our way through whether those opinions are for us. That has definitely been a journey. Learn to say no to everything but the essential. This is an amazing book. It's called Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. Try to read or listen to it every year. Greg McEwen is the author, and it is amazing. I listened to it on a plane ride, and I was just buzzing with it the whole time. The two questions that uh, really stood out and I think about a lot is, if I could truly be excellent at one thing, what would it be? And what I knew is that I wanted to embed trimetrics into every area of my business. And I had known that it was the future and I was very involved in it, but I was dabbling in a lot of other things that were pulling my attention away from it. And so, you know, trimetrics to me is the tool that helps people self-actualize, that helps people get what they want in business. It goes throughout the employee life cycle. So as soon as I made that switch, I I became, you know, everything became clear. All my decisions became clear. You know, I served on the Hartman Institute board. I became the president. There's so many things from that one decision. Uh, started all these certifications and got an advanced master axiology uh, certification this year. There's only 24 people in the world. I wouldn't have invested in that if I had not decided that this was the thing I was going to focus on. And I've never been happier and never felt more joy. It ties to my strengths about being an expert in something. So that question is powerful. So I encourage you to listen to that book and or read that book and think about that question for yourself. And then the second thing is, is this the most important thing I should do with my time and resources right now? So we get pulled by other people's opinions and what they want for us. And sometimes we need to be because of who we report to and what's going on. But a lot of times we waste a lot of time 
Uh, I've been guilty of it. I'm not so much guilty of that anymore, which is amazing to say because I'm the I could have been the queen of distraction, <laughs> but I'm really good at getting things done, and I'm really good now at listening to what is the right thing for me to do, and that that question really helps. I did a podcast interview with Catherine Blakemore Foster, who is one of my favorite people and does all the marketing and branding stuff with for me and and on essentialism. She is uh, also a fan of the book and pretty good expert at it and very super efficient, young, talented person and just amazing. And uh, if you want to go listen to that podcast, it's pricelessprofessional.com forward slash essentialism, essentialism. And so uh, learn to say no to everything but the essential game changer. Um, and that helps you weed out all those opinions you get from others. And then the third is grow your self view. So what is your sense of self? Do you see your value? Of what, how aware are you of your strengths? I mean, you can go from zero to 100 in the axiology part of the assessment. Mine has grown tremendously. And what I have noticed as my sense of self grows, it's not about being cocky or overconfident. I have a sense of value and worth of who I am and I am open for more. So that's that's the difference. It's it's You still want to learn. Role awareness, uh, that one goes up and down for people. It can be a little bit more fluid, but when I am the strongest there, it's when I know who I am in my work. I know who I am personally. I know where I belong and how things work. And then self-direction is this goals for the future. It's when you wake up in the morning, you know where you're going and you know what you're going to do. That is self-direction. Those are three dimensions that can be measured from zero to 100. And you can catch it early. You can see like if your, if your numbers are high, but you're the way you're feeling about it is a, a negative bias. You can catch it. That's an indication of something's not working. And we go fluid in some of this, but the higher those are, the greater you're going to have stronger time, self-management skills and the, the greater you're going to have more resiliency, be able to recover from stress, the greater you're going to be able to have self-awareness of what's going on around you, what's working, what's not working. So knowing more about the internal factors on the axiology acumen part of the assessment and the skills related to that and growing that is powerful, powerful, powerful. That's been my big journey. I think I uh, grew up in a family who had, I don't know, because I never assessed my family, but I believe that their internals were all very low based on what they dealt with in their life and um, that carried over. And so I've always been very determined. I didn't know I was determined to grow this, but that's where my growth has been and where I needed to grow. And I'm, and I'm in a much better place because of that. And I see that with others too. Um, we can have all the intelligence in the world to work out in the world, but if we don't have our inner self as a strong foundation, it can be a real challenge. You know, when stress hits or something uh, hard hits, the least resilient of us have low self-view scores and we have to go under the bed and hide for a day and then we come out. As whereas somebody else, you know, people who have strong self-control and they can manage the storm really, really, really well, chances are they have a high sense of self, a high set role awareness and high self-direction. Um, so the important tool to understand that and to grow those areas, it's a worthy, worthy endeavor. Uh, just as a reminder, this part of the assessment, the whole, the reason it was created was because the Hartman, Robert S. Hartman wanted to figure out self-actualization. What's the process or the path to go from uh, not valuing to valuing 
in a very strong way. And so this is part of that and be, being our full potential. So uh, one part about growing myself view, one is just knowing where my scores were that made a big difference. And then knowing that they can grow horsepower is something you can tune up. You could tune up a vehicle and make it stronger. And so with awareness, you, you got to figure out where it is and what you need to work on. Another is, and you'll see a picture here of a man, he's looking out to a beautiful mountain water escapes landscape. And uh, it's daily, what I call daily tune-in time. I've referred to it a few times here today, and I've talked about it many times on different podcasts is, is take time every day to tune into yourself, daily tune-in time. If you just do 15 minutes a day, that is 1% of your day. If you do that every day, 15 minutes. So what would you do in 15 minutes? You could meditate. You could uh, write, write lists of appreciation. I've got a whole list of things that you could do. You could listen to good music. You could pet your dog. You could go for a walk. At least 50, I'd probably do an hour and a half a day of this at different times. Sometimes it's on one slot or it's, it's grown over the years because it helps me reflect. It helps me learn from others, but listen to my inner knowing more. You've got to be quiet sometimes and let the inner knowing or the ideas come to you. But start out with 1% a day, 15 minutes a day. That's an hour and 45 minutes a week that you're taking some time to be quiet and tune in 91 hours in a year. So daily tune in time is a great way to start in growing your self-view and And we have exercises in our Trimetrics University around self-direction and role awareness and sense of self that are great places to start. There's videos and workbooks and things like that that could help grow that. It's an honorable thing to do. And And you will know the difference. You will feel the difference. So as we come to a close, advice to my younger self. Three, three main things, lots of tools we talked about in between, but make listening and seeking first to understand your superpowers, figure out how to get things done. And listen to others, but listen to your inner knowing more. And we say, thank you, Susie, for taking the chance to get out there. And you're going to do good. And you are too. I want you to think about, do this exercise for yourself. What advice would you give your 20-year-old self? I want you to respond back and let me know. And I want to close with a mantra that I use. I used it before I started this podcast. I use it before coaching engagements. And I want you to think about the power of this. You could use this. Uh, Anytime you're going to go speak or do anything with your team. And here it is. When the time comes and all eyes and ears turn my way, I will leverage my strengths and manage my blind spots. I will listen deeply and deliberately. I will be prepared, present, and tuned in. I will ask helpful, probing questions to better understand. I will seek to offer meaningful insight to help those who want to move forward do so. Let the light of wisdom and empowerment flow through me. And here's what I say to you. Let the light of wisdom and empowerment flow through you. I know it does every day. And we're just open to more of that. I hope that this has been helpful to you today. Uh, Check out the video and the PowerPoint slides at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash advice. Take care. Thank you for being a Wake Up Eager podcast listener. And let us know if you have any feedback or insights you want to share. And if you do the 20-year reflection exercise, send it to me and we'll talk about it on a podcast. If you're open to that or I'll just keep it private. Take care. Thank you. All the best.
This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 